Uh, today we're going to deal with the zero. We're going to see zero. We are, we are back into our study in the book of Revelation. In the book of Revelation. I want to thank God for His grace and uh, His power. Hallelujah. If you have any questions, I really want you to write these questions down. And I want you to be, to be blessed, to, to live a, a life of peace. To live a life of peace. Life of peace. To have peace with God. To have peace with yourself. To have um, the understanding that God is interested in having you to live with Him forever. To live with Him forever. Amen. People tell me many, many times, they say to me, you are sure, you are so sure about these things. You are so sure about God taking care of you and God doing this to other people. I, I was teaching, I was preaching in Dar es Salaam. I sent you pictures of uh, girls and uh, boys who accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and, and uh, uh, three kids, three young ladies in their 20s, 22, 23. Uh, it was two ladies and a son. They rushed to me and uh, fell on their knees. They actually, I was already finishing praying for people. And then uh, uh, the, uh, the teacher, the, the one who had organized me going to preach to them in the restaurant, rushed to me and said, there are three kids, there are three young men uh, the, the, one young man and three, three girls crying in my office and they can't, they can't, they don't want you to leave and you have to come in my office right now and they are just in a mess and I, and I said what's wrong wanting to know and I still was counseling and, I, and he said you have to just come leave these ones, come quickly and so I rushed in the office and uh, sat down with them and I put my hands on them and asked what's the problem what's, what's your problem, what's going on with you I thought it was a big crisis. They just nailed down and said to me, we want you to be our father. Young kids I have preached to who would say it. We just want to have a father. We just want to have a father. I wrote, I said those guys. I, I did send those pictures to you. Do you remember? I did send them to you. God is greater than a father, a human father. Amen. Oh, amen. He is greater than a human father. So we are dealing with zero today. Remember what we talked about in the book of Revelation that we are talking about the, the Jesus that we have known, him who is, him who was, and him who is to come. That is, that is the theme of the whole book of Revelation. That's the theme of this book of, of God, the, the Bible. If you do not have a Bible in your life, entrenched into your soul, uh, recently, in years past, we removed the Lord's Prayer in, in schools. You remember that? Yes. We, we, we took uh, everything about God away. We took everything away from the people. And we said to ourselves, instead of uh, giving them God, we're going to give them guns to protect themselves. Yeah. And look what happened. And then the guns, 
because people were devoid of uh, the presence of God who leads, who protects, they began to kill themselves and it has become a big problem everywhere. But I'm going to deal, the Bible is taking us to deal with the zero today. The zero that you need to know in your life. When you feel lonely, when you feel uh, rejected, when you feel left over, when people hate you, when people throw you away, when you are struck. Uh, I, I went to that a long, long, long time ago. And I was working on something, I can't recall what I was working on. No, actually, I was working on these things here, uh, uh, welding the, 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 the metal for the fire. I didn't have a strong metal, uh, uh, and so I rushed to that mat and looked. I went to a scrap area where the scrap metal uh, in that mat. And uh, as I arrived there, uh, uh, I uh, stood and I saw big cranes, big, huge um, caterpillars. Uh, driving and taking metal and bringing cars and taking the car and throwing it somewhere and crushing things and crushing things. And I went to the man who, because uh, I didn't see any office somewhere, and I said, I, I need a strong metal for, uh, I want to make um, uh, something for my fireplace. And he said, uh, he said, uh, uh, what, he said, here we stop everything, we, we don't, uh, we don't leave anything around. Every metal that comes, we strap it. So I was shocked. I was shocked the way cars are come and put together. And these are cars that we love the most and we dearly could die for. And how they're crushed in seconds and they're gone. And how they're lifted and taken and thrown down and they're crushed and they're gone. And I sat there and I was looking and I was looking and... And another guy came, the, other, the first guy abandoned me, the second guy came and he said, why are you here? I said, I'm looking for metal, metal to, uh, to make something for my, my, uh, my fireplace. He said, uh, he, I, said I, I said to him, I'm, I'm really worried. I said, he said, what? He said, look at all these beautiful cars that you're crushing and destroying and, and these are valuable things. And he said they are nothing but scrap for us. And he said to me, what do you do in life? I said, I'm a pastor. I said, I wouldn't want to be like those cars. I said to him, I wouldn't want to. Because really it hit me so bad. It's, I think the Lord showed me that this is how people who do not have God, and, and I said to him, I wouldn't want to be a scrap metal. And my soul just said, you must never be a scrap. You never, you must not put your life in the place where you are depleted and unusable. That's the word he did. The cars were unusable, therefore we scrap them. Uh, are you with me, church? Amen. So we are not a scrap. I'm not a scrap. So, but let's go to the Word of God and see. So I actually, uh, the guy got me metal. The guy got me these pieces of, uh, of, uh, of uh, what? Um, rebar. Uh, uh, what? Rebar. Rebar. And uh, he 
get them free of charge because he saw me lost in how the cars are being are thinking. So this guy is lost here. Uh, we should get him out of here right now. Amen. And I came out. I didn't pay any, any, any single dollar for that. God bless you. Uh, and I have them. I still have them. I'm going to make a new one. They have already been eaten. If you go in there, they are eaten already. They look good from the outside, but the inside is rotten. So we're going to make something. Let's come to the book of Luke. Luke chapter, and I'm dealing with zero today in the study of the book of Revelation. We are in God, in Jesus, who is, who was, and who is to come. We've looked at, into the Garden of Eden, and we found that the Garden of Eden was not anywhere else but on where? Earth. Huh? On earth. And the whole earth is what? Eden. Eden. And there was a small place where man was put and wife, and that where was the small garden of God for them. But the whole earth is the Eden, the, uh, the earth, okay? Yeah. That's where mankind is. And I'm going to ask this princess in a few minutes if she can do something for me before I can uh, study the Word of God. Amen. You come. Yes. Oh, okay, good, 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 good. So, it's important for us when we are growing in the Lord, for us to look in history, because we only see what we know, what we understand today, uh, and therefore I want you to have so we turn back before Jesus Christ was born, that there were civilizations, and that with those civilizations, with those civilizations, there was expansion of the world. Things got broken up, and uh, 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 and we came to be uh, after Jesus was born. But there was already civilizations before uh, 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 the African land that you hear about was totally occupied by Africans. There was no uh, Europeans there. And the Europeans that you hear about did not come from anywhere else but from Africa. Uh, they just found in, in Israel, they just found a bone, a jawbone, a jawbone of a human being who left thousands and thousands of years ago. Uh, from Africa. So, if you hear about the theory of um, uh, of uh, uh, Derrick, is that Derrick? Right. Evolution? Derrick, Derrick. If you hear about that, it's, it's dead. It's, it's finished. It has no substance. It is killed. Man did not fall from a tree and broke his tail. And then we became human. It's, it's long, it's, it's lost, so please. Okay, so Pastor Bella asked me to um, kind of talk a little bit about, we've been talking about the land of Kush, or Kush, I think it's Kush. Yes. And um, I, I just, I didn't, I, I guess didn't have to share images, but I just felt the images kind yes, of, uh, yeah, kind of reiterated what I'm saying here. So uh, we, we've been talking about, of course, um, that the whole Garden of Eden is the whole world, but that there was a specific place where God had uh, strategically placed the garden that 
um, Adam and Eve had been born into and had lived in, and we know that. And uh, so the Garden of Eden it talks about in the Bible is having four river heads, and there's still a lot, you have to understand that there's still a lot of um, conjecture of where exactly these four rivers are and what they were and what they are now today. So Cush, um, also spelled like me, it's the C-U, uh, C-U-S-H, but also spelled as K-U-S-H, was according to the Bible, the eldest son of Ham, who was the son of Noah, as we know, and whom the nation of the Cushites came from, as well as the land of Cush. So Pastor Bella, Pastor Bella wanted me to um, kind of research and kind of give a little five-minute uh, presentation on, on the kingdom of Cush. Uh, it's, it's very interesting. Um, very interesting. <laughs> I learned a lot. I Can learned I a lot. ask you a question? Sure. You said that, that um, uh, Cush came from uh, um, Noah's uh, yes. descendants. Yes, Ham. Good. So that's good. It's important to know when you hear about the kingdom of Cush. Okay? That it's found in the Bible right at the beginning. It's not something yeah. that came up without uh, all That's right. And uh, so um, the nation of the Cushites came from um, Ham, the son of Noah. He was the eldest son of Noah. And he was, we know that he was um, the brother of Canaan, the land which, which the land of Canaan comes from, Mizraim. Okay, I'm going to probably be butchering some of these pronunciations, so please, you have to forgive me. All right. Uh, so, the land of Canaan came from Canaan. Mizraim, the brother, uh, was where Egypt came from. And Phut, P-H-U-T, Phut, was the land of Libya. The father of the biblical Nimrod, as first mentioned in recorded history, uh, is, is actually, as well, mentioned in the Table of Nations in Genesis 10, and also in Chronicle, 1 Chronicles 1. Cush is traditionally considered the ancestor of the people of the land of Cush, an ancient territory that is believed to have been located on either or both sides of the Red Sea. So if you look at that map, there's all kinds of these uh, tribal, just, just ignore all that. <laughs> but if you look, I, I, I should have just brought a normal map, but that, if you look at that little body of water, I shouldn't say little, it's a long stretch right in between Africa and Saudi Arabia. That is the Red Sea. So, um, so Cush is alternately identified with scriptures. The kingdom of Cush, which is present day, or it was, ancient Sudan. Um, but the conjecture, and I won't go too much on this banter, but it, that it's, it was either um, the uh, present day Ethiopians, Ethiopia, which would be on the African side of the Red Sea, or Arabia on Saudi Arabian side of the Red Sea, the, the, the uh, uh, Arabian side. Um, the reason why I mention that is because there is, this is interesting note, before presenting on the kingdom uh, of Kush, there's place names versus race names. So um, it's just an interesting note that in the Old Testament, um, Hebrew contextually changes in translation from English to the structure of uh, Hebrew, um, the Hebrew language versus the English. So the river Gion is one of the four Edenic rivers that's mentioned in Genesis. And the name of the second river is Gion, or Gihon, the same that, uh, as, as described in Genesis 2.13, says, compasseth the whole land of Ethiopia. We know Ethiopia is an English country in Africa, we know that. The country lies on the source of the Nile. But when you look at present-day Ethiopia on the map, it doesn't geographically make sense that that's where Eden would be. All biblical dictionaries read the name uh, Ethiopia, Ethiopia in our English Old Testament is Kush in the Hebrew. So 
in Hebrew, Kush is Ethiopia. This is um, this is uh, the only verse before us, but that kind of talks about that. But in every instance of the Old Testament, um, the Hebrews call Ethiopia Kush in their own tongue. Um, this is not so well recognized, but the Hebrews use the same Kush of more, in, of more than one place. So that's why um, historians and theologians and all kinds of still arguing to this day of where Kush actually was. But but antiquity, thankfully, points to us uh, through um, Greek and Roman texts that it was on the African side. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of the Black Pharaoh, but that's what the kingdom of Kush was. I had no idea. I was like, Myself, I was picturing this sort of ancient African uh, tribal kind of kingdom. It was, but they actually were the 25th dynasty of Egypt. So they were Egyptians, basically, um, but not only by culture and not by nationality and not by blood. Um, so I'm just going to go in. It's kind of cool. This is a, to this day, a, a still existing UNESCO World Heritage Site. Um, so I quickly want to mention that place names is the Hebrew mind. Um, there's a principle in the names of people and nations listed in Genesis 10. So the table of nations, um, it talks about uh, in the Old Testament, um, we English readers want to tie the names to a fixed locality. Um, and that's what we call place names. Um, the the um, Greeks and the uh, Romans were the same way. To the Hebrew mind, these names are next after the individual who originally bore them. So family names uh, are after the descendants. Um, they stand for family groups, tribes, nationalities. The names are essentially race names. So wherever the race goes, the name goes with them. The names are attached to the people around the place. So, um, so anyway, uh, the, ar the general argument is that Kushites were either Ethiopians or they were the brown-skinned Arab race on the other side of the Red Sea. Um, the, we know that the Bible refers to gold being abundant in the land of Kush, and the empire was very rich in gold. Um, it is safe to say that wherever it was, uh, we know that it would have had to have been Africa to begin with because uh, it would have had to all come from Africa to be traded and imported to the other side of the Red Sea. So, the kingdom of Kush uh, was an ancient kingdom in Nubia, located at the confluences of the Blue Nile, White Nile, the river Atadada, and what are now Sudan and South Sudan. The Kushite era of the rule in Nubia was established after the Bronze Age um, collapse and the disintegration of the new kingdom of Egypt. So after King Kashta invaded Egypt in the 8th century BC, the Kushite emperors ruled for a century as pharaohs. So this is what really kind of blew my mind because I didn't realize that they were the 25th dynasty of Egypt. Um, later they were expelled by Assyrians, but that's a whole other story. The Kushites, much like the Egyptians, were, uh, as we traditionally know in history, um, they literally basically just appropriated Egyptian culture. So they really didn't have a, a, much of a culture of their own. It was, they just kind of took over, invaded, and kind of assumed the uh, kingdomship or whatever over Egypt. So they would have taken on embalming, uh, mummification, uh, the same tombs, same gods. Um, the Kushites, much like the Egyptians, uh, they, they built burial mounds and pyramids. So this here is a burial site. Um, their pyramids, as you can see, are much smaller. Uh, they shared a lot of the same gods that, that were worshipped previously by the Egyptians, uh, especially Ammon and Isis. Uh, the worshiping of these gods, the Kushites began to take the same names of the gods as their throne names. So whoever was king or queen was considered a god. Uh, exactly as Egypt. Um, the surviving historical documents of antiquity 
described the kingdom of Kush. So there's a capital, and this was called Mero. So Mero is what we're looking at here. That's the UNESCO World Heritage Site that still survives um, in present-day Sudan. But back then, it was called Nubia. So in 5th century BC, before Christ, Greek historian Herodotus described in his historical accounts, because, I mean, we, we don't know. We don't know what this... We, we know, okay, it's kind of like Egypt. It's, you know, we know a lot about Egypt. There's lots of stuff on. We all have had in school. There's no point going on about it, but it is interesting to note um, in his accounts, which was called Histories, this was, this was written 440, before, 440 years before Christ, um, he described, the Greek historian described as uh, Nubia, or Miro, which is the capital of the kingdom of Kush, as a great city, said to be the mother, uh, let's see, I'm just moving my spawn here, sorry, I'm looking at images at the same time. Uh, it was basically, um, um, sorry, I'm just losing my spawn here. Uh, we know that uh, this is a great city, said to be the mother city of the, uh, of the Ethiopians. The city Mero was located along the Middle Nile, which is of much importance due to the annual flooding of the Nile River Valley and the connection to many uh, major river systems, such as the Niger, which aided with the production of pottery and iron, characteristic to the Mero uh, uh, Kingdom, and allowed for the rise of power of people. So in Book 3, Herodotus de this, uh, defines Ethiopia, uh, which he called it at that time, is the farthest region of Libya. Well, we know that's Africa. So there, there, he said, in the description, is gold is obtained in great plenty, huge elephants abound with wild trees of all sorts, and ebony. And the men were taller, handsomer, and longer lived than anywhere else. Um, these are just a few images that I thought were really interesting. They're images that I know I have. I never studied Egyptology or anything like that. I know Craig has. But uh, you don't really see images like this. So there's columns. You see even some looks like looks like some Greek influence. There's elephants there. This is this is much much later period of Egypt, much later. Um, so it, again, there's there's a kind of a mix of styles happening here. Um, it's very Egyptian, yet it's it's not. Uh, so there's a, just showing you a few examples. There's, there's still some existing uh, artifacts from this time. This is a, stamp, a signet ring or stamp. Uh, so we know that they were writing letters and whatnot for trade. Um, this is uh, just some really uh, interesting examples of late Egyptian jewelry. And um, you can see that it was completely Egyptian through and through in its culture. So this is a queen. Um, they, uh, again, they, like the Egyptians, had a, a system of uh, uh, monarchy, uh, monarchy. So um, <laughs> I can't even talk. Uh, <laughs> What we know about Moreau is that it was an Iron Age settlement and it was uh, is what made uh, the Kushites flourish because it was centered around gold mining as well as it had a really strong iron industry and international trade involving India and China. So I thought that was interesting. Uh, the centralized control of production within the Moreau Empire and distribution of certain crafts and manufacturers have been politically important with their iron industry and pottery crafts. So that's where they gained their... That's what that's where their whole infrastructure and their economy uh, was sort of based on was uh, pottery and uh, and metals. Um, at the time, uh, iron was the most important metal, and um, metal workers were famous um, in this area for that. Uh, they were also famous for uh, and they exported a lot of textiles and jewelry. Um, and uh, Nubians were very rich in gold, as we know. I just said that many times, but uh, this this was probably the the, the, the top period for it. 
Um, it is possible that even the Egyptian word for gold, Nub, was the source of the name Nubia. So trade in exotic animals was also a big thing. And it was, they would, um, as far as South Africa, that was another feature of, of their economy. But maybe a little different from the previous Egyptians in that sense. Um, so uh, basically, uh, this is kind of interesting. Um, these productions were held a lot of considerable so social significance. So this is a very civilized empire. These were not just some random early kind of African tribal. This is a very civilized, completely appropriated into um, you know top civilization. Very very advanced. Um, we don't. There's not still a lot a lot known of the Black Pharaoh, uh, but that's uh, this that's who the Kushites were. Uh, so they were major power. Um, it's interesting, like uh, the Egyptians before them were much more um, engineers, so waterways, moving of water passageways, uh, buildings, uh, erecting buildings, that was sort of what the early uh, empire was known for, the actual Egyptians. The Kushites were more known for, um, again, this heavy production and export of their art artistic wares, and uh, so they... Um, a major determinant of production was attributed to the availability of labor rather than political power associated with lands. So power was associated with control of people rather than control of territory. So slavery was huge, unfortunately. Uh, okay, so now, last but not least, I'll just talk about um, the kingdom and then I'll stop because I know my five minutes are pretty much up. Um, but uh, this is just a neat, somewhat aerial view of existing uh, Miro. And again, this is just the burial area. The other areas here, uh, we have a few. Um, just bear with me here. Uh, so you can see that still um, there's there's again this, this heavy um, sort of focus on animals and as gods or, or worship, but not so much like crocodile and all these other things that you would have seen in earlier Egypt. So um, it's, it's very interesting. This is kind of an unsuspected thing you find in Sudan. You wouldn't think this would even be here. Uh, but uh, just some interesting artifacts that were remaining that, that indefinitely prove that this was Africa. And um, so going in uh, into the kingdom here, I'm going to quickly show, um, you can see some examples that also through art, that there are inscriptions inside of tombs that show um, that this is not some frame, this is not some conjecture of, you know, imagination of historians. This is indefinitely, these were black barrel. Uh, which is kind of neat. So this is kind of a weird image, I'm going to show it. This is an existing mummy from that period, the Nubian uh, queen. Um, so queen, so women have a lot of power also in this kingdom. Um, kings were called Kore and queens were called Kedah. So this is a surviving, actually a princess. She died of uh, heart disease. Uh, so this, she's a very well-preserved mummy, but you can see by the hair and the skin, this is very much an African person. Um, so if anyone tries to say, oh, the Bible is, you know, is not, you know, it's, the Bible completely um, agrees with historical accounts. Um, so the power structure of the Kingdom of Kush was very similar to that of Egypt. And um, we know, uh, being, being, having taken over the, of the later period, um, so that they were pharaohs, and it was set up in a pharaohic structure. So there's two periods of dynasties. The first phase was, just in case you're wondering, the time period here. They took over Egypt around 750 BC, so about 750 years before Christ. And so the first phase ended around the 650s, 
and the second phase started in the 650s up to the 540s. So 542 years thereabouts before Christ. Uh, the Mirotic period was the next period, and that's where Miro, the kingdom of Kush as we know it, the golden, the rich golden capital, had rose, and that's the, that's the the one that Pastor Bell when we talk about. So the Mirotic period was divided into four periods, so the four four phases, and so basically it was a kingdom that lasted quite a long time. It went from started around uh, 540 years before Christ, and um, the second, third phase up into the fourth phase uh, lasted up until the first century. Sorry, up into the fourth century, um, uh, even after Christ. So this was, this is very much a, this was a very, very long-standing, uh, long-surviving kingdom. Um, and then eventually it was overcome and plundered by Aksum, the later, a later Ethiopian peoples. And uh, so basically, it's present-day Sudan. The Nubians were basically by blood, the same as Ethiopians. So it completely confirms the biblical accounts of Africa being the kingdom of Kush. If anyone has any questions, you can ask me afterwards. Yeah? Kush and Nubia are the same? They're the same. Got it. All right. Yeah. Got it. That's right. Kush, kingdom, Nubia, got it. Okay. Okay, good, Francis. You are the best in the whole wide world. <laughs> I know, it was pretty, pretty academic and boring. <laughs> so I'm going to be assigning people. It's going to be assigning people duties. I need us to draw in the Lord. Don't listen to narrow mind mysteries. Are you with me, church? You are with me, glory to God. So you can see, and I'm telling you, there are so many things that people don't know about, uh, about um, Asia, about South America, about Canada about other places. Uh, you may be my, my, uh, my uh, I mean, there's some little blood in you somewhere from the Absolutely. Actually, I can see it running into, into your veins. Amen. So Africa had kingdoms, and big, big kingdoms. Um, and also, uh, and these kingdoms, uh, people began to, uh, to migrate from uh, place to place and went to Europe, went to different places, and some uh, ran from uh, Asia and went to the Americas, uh, get put into boats. There was an industry in Kush of creating metal stuff, uh, sheep with metal and things that they had already uh, designed. The wheel that you use, in, uh, uh, that we have come to use now, the wheel, you know what's a wheel? You know what's a wheel? A car wheel was designed in Kush. Yes. Why that? Okay. Wheels came from Kush. Your, your, uh, uh, what do you call it? Glasses. Glasses. Or the glass? Yeah, the glass. The, 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 the science or the, science? The art of making glass. glass came from from where I said it last time. It came from C H I N A China. That's where they discovered this. So as people grew from Africa and they kept going. They began to find minerals that they would use to do things. 
and the, and as they began, when we when we were just out of the Garden of Eden, we had to fend for ourselves. When God chased us out, we had to fend for ourselves. The only thing that He did for us is He clothed us so that we would not die with cold. Now, please understand that the reason why God clothed us is not because He was ashamed of our nakedness. No, it's because the skin fell on the cold fell on us. We no longer uh, were able to sustain ourselves. The, the giver of life was no longer with us, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Everybody's lost. No, 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 we're trying to get you it down. You are with me. Okay, good. So we're now. trying to get it down. Yes, good. So now we're going to go to the zero. We're going to go to the zero. When we leave God, when we decide to do our own things, when we go from God to, uh, to our shame, when we refuse to serve God, whether we are young or old, we are in big trouble. That's when the elements get angry at us. The animals begin chasing us. The diseases be begin to follow us. Uh, then we begin to try to think of how to get, to get happy. So we design things to make us feel better. We design cocaine. Cocaine was created by God. It's a leaf that we would have used for a long time. For I don't know what it was. Remember that everything was created to please God. Everything. Hallelujah. Amen. Are you with me? Everything was created to please God. It wasn't created for uh, for uh, uh, for for it to harm us. Because when we were in the Garden of Eden without sin, there was no word called harming anybody or killing anybody or uh, our sicknesses and diseases. That, does that make sense? So when we fell against God, when we refused to obey God, trouble came. So we now create things. My wife was telling me yesterday about uh, uh, is it the W5 uh, program, huh? where they are showing nurses nurses who are taking care of people in hospitals, stealing, stealing uh, the, the medications that, uh, uh, that uh, they inject themselves to feel hard. Uh, and therefore people are sometimes operated uh, without, uh, without anesthesia, uh, anesthetic, uh, anesthesia or, or things like that. Don't think about it. Why, or they why take a little bit. Because uh, uh, nurses that are to attend them at the table of operation exchange, they, they make their own. Um, oh, I see. Okay. Yeah, they make their own stuff and bring it and exchange it and take the, the right medication that you should have. And then they put the thing on your nose, you pass out, and then you're operated on. And you can't work out. And all the pain is felt in your body. You said it right. Uh, yes, uh, pain medication. But but uh, but I know of, of, of situations where people have not been given half of what they're supposed to have, and then they suffer and have sued after it's in different hospitals. That's what genetic drugs are. Yes. There are cases, there are cases in the Canadian uh, and other countries where, uh, where people 
were to be given a full dose in order for them to sleep and not feel pain, but somehow they don't understand how the medication to kill pain was removed. Okay? And then a person goes through uh, 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 suffering uh, through Generic. Generic. Yes. Generic drugs are the drugs Okay. Alright. Usually for the drugstore, they'll give you a generic rather than the real one. Yes. But the generics are the dosage and the dosage. Yeah. Yeah. So that is that is that is where we have to to really uh, pass to God after what we have learned about the Garden of Eden. Uh, uh, and we're gonna see where the why all these problems are there for us? Why do we have to cry for peace, cry for uh, for joy, cry for uh, 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 my time is gone. I feel I'm finished actually. I'm past time, but that's fine. For few minutes, it's okay. You did good. You did good. It's good. It's good. Um, shall I go to the book of? Isaiah, I'm just going to introduce it and then we will finish. We're going to pray. Isaiah, Isaiah 14. Isaiah chapter 14. I want, I want everyone to understand the reason of our suffering. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. There cannot be peace in our lives. There cannot be joy in our lives. There cannot be uh, success in our lives. Although we may have big houses, we may have big cars, we may, have, we may be traveling in airplanes. There can never be peace in our lives, success in our lives, fulfillment in our lives without being a zero without lowering yourself down. Let's go to the book of, uh, of, uh, of Isaiah chapter 14 verse 12. Without what? Sorry? Can we have to be honest, without what? Without zeroing ourselves. Okay. Without oh, becoming okay. a zero. Okay, okay. Becoming, uh, becoming uh, the word zero means humble. Right. Okay? Yes, you you humble yourself. Uh, and the Bible says, but humble yourself, and the Lord will exalt you, will lift you up. Okay, so let's look at where do all these troubles come from? The book of uh, Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12, coming down. How you have fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the most, uh, son of the morning, sorry. How you are cut down to the ground, you who weaken the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend unto heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation, on the uh, Father's side of the north, I will ascend above the heights of the cloud, 
I'll be like the most high. That is the fall of man. That is where the origin of the suffering of every man and every nation. That is the word that I'm going to bring to you today. That person, that feeling, that aspiration of this person here called Lucifer. He had something going into his soul called pride. That is the beginning of every trouble. That's the end of every suffering for mankind if they come to Christ. If you take that piece of, 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 of pride of yourself and you fall on the cross, that's the end of your trouble right there. You have to get it to Christ. You have to, to the way you feel about yourself, whether it's shame, whether it's fear, whether it's pride, whether you feel you are, you, you have the right, uh, uh, you have to bring it to Christ in order for you to be complete in yourself and to have peace in your soul. I don't know if it makes sense. Yeah. That's the introduction to what we're going to do next Sunday. Amen. Today we had a lot of, of things going on, and I had to introduce that. So when I, when I introduced here the, 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 the G, uh, the, the, I had, actually I saw it in the dream. I saw it in the dream. I was trying to do so many things. And accomplish things, but I couldn't. I couldn't accomplish anything in the dream. And I and I found myself. I was becoming a zero. And a hand took that zero and did not put it anywhere else and put it in the middle of God. And said, "If you put yourself here, everything will be good." Everything will be good for you. Are you suffering with sexual needs? Are you suffering with the need of a husband? Are you suffering with the need of a wife? Are you suffering with the need of money? Are you suffering with the need of a car? Are you suffering with peace? Are you lonely? Are you looking for you to become somebody in your life? Turn yourself into zero and let God put you into him, not outside of him. My education cannot save me. My billions cannot save me. There are many people who have billions and who kill themselves. So you can hear about people, many, many people who kill themselves. There are wives who are killing themselves in their own marriages. Did you hear that? Their husbands who can't get into their homes because the wife is so mad that she's chasing him out. Marriage, marriage is not a solution to your problem. Money is not the solution to your problem or my problem. The solution to my problem is to run on myself, humble before the Lord, submit to Him, 
People say, I want to be high, I used to take cocaine. And a guy gave a testimony, said, I used to take cocaine and cocaine and cocaine and cocaine forever. And my and Matthew and brother Matthew, me and brother, uh, brother Mark went to Africa to preach. We were going to take care of my parents. And a man said, I was passing through, uh, through Bagamoyo Road. And I heard God said there was a Canadian pastor in the church there. Go in there. He was a powerful musician in Tanzania. And the Lord brought him in that church. And he accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. I returned to Africa in 2010. The man is no longer singing for the devil. The man does not have millions of women running after him anymore. The man is traveling now from, from Egypt, from different places, preaching the word of God. Hallelujah! He said, I found peace in my soul. When he saw me, he fell on his knees. He said, Servant of God, anoint me again. I need your anointing. I don't know. He said he was passing by, going to an appointment uh, in a place called the uh, Mwenge. This is a big man, a great person, renowned for music. He rock music, he played music. He is, he is an amazing man. I didn't know what happened when we preached in that church. Hallelujah! And the Lord saved him. The Lord gave him peace. All the instruments, he dedicated them. He said to the musicians, if you want to serve with me, you must be born again. Many left, he said. I remained with three. And from three, God added on. And they now go to different places and different places ministry. And he was living the opposite kind of life? Absolutely. He was a musician. He was a sinful man. He had millions of women running after him. And men, of course. And money, and money, and money. In, in Zephaniah's office, he fell down. I, he did, I don't know how he came. He just came in and then looked at me and he says, You are me, man of God. He said, and I, I, at that time I was that little. There's a shirt that my wife ironed for me to wear today. I got it. A, 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 a brother gave it to me in Africa when I was so sick. I had lost everything in my mind. I was like a, a little skeleton. So he bought it for me. And it's so beautiful. The shirt is so nice. She ironed it this morning for me. It's a green one. I love it. I love the shirt. When I put it on, it didn't accept. It grew. It, it grew. It grew small. My, my shirt has grown small. Hallelujah. So, there is no other place. You have to turn yourself to zero. Put yourself into Christ. And you can see yourself in peace. Hallelujah. Amen. Goodness increases. Amen. Pain decreases you. Hallelujah. Does that make sense, church? So we're going to finish next week. <laughs>